Hey everyone, uh, welcome to what's going to be my first podcast here. Uh, this is, of course, Dave Petrella. You guys probably know me from Aliens and Astrology. Uh, I'm also a guest on lots of different podcasts, and uh, you can feel uh, feel free to find everything on my Facebook um, profile, Instagram profile, and of course my YouTube page here. Uh, so today, actually, for my first guest, I have uh, someone named Robbie Marks. I actually heard Robbie on a podcast out of Scotland. Uh, maybe about two weeks ago. Um, if you guys have uh, watched the show I did with Wayne Murphy, I had a Aliens and Astrology episode, and uh, Wayne's got a, a site in Wisconsin, USA, that he believes is a, a Templar-related site, and he's also my friend, so we interviewed him, uh, myself and Karen Holton interview, interviewed him the other week, and it's a really good show. I'd definitely encourage people to go check that out. So anyway, Wayne is um, he's getting uh, trying to get a show off the ground in uh, his own show off the ground in Wisconsin here in the United States. And um, I actually uh, followed one of his, his links to his interview that he had with a person named General Lee, um, the Subconscious Realms podcast out of Scotland, actually. And Wayne works with uh, also with someone named Sean Williamson, who's based over there in the UK. And so uh, they appeared on that podcast. And I was kind of searching through the other uh, shows that came up. And I saw one actually, uh, and I hadn't told Robbie this yet, but it was on CERN. Of course, the CERN, uh, the large uh, Hadron Collider, I believe, over there in, in Europe. And so I said, oh, what's this? Let me check this out. And I had probably only had half an hour that day. And I said, OK, I really want to I want to see what this is because uh, it's a topic. I think it's really important right now. In any case. And so uh, I was listening to the conversation and, uh, you know, Robbie made a lot of really good comments. And I was actually really impressed. Um, which is, you know, doesn't for me, you know, I'm just going to be honest with people. It doesn't happen too often that I hear someone and I say, wow, you're making really original points. You're really connecting the dots very well, you know, and I was very encouraged by that. And actually I was encouraged so much that I wanted to uh, have a conversation with Robbie. So Robbie's uh he's an artist and he's a space time pirate. And I just want to say, uh, welcome Robbie. Thanks for uh, being on the show. For sure. For sure. All right. So, uh, the topic to today that I really wanted to try to cover was uh, actually based on something Robbie had said on the show, uh, the Subconscious Realms podcast, which was uh, related to the Garden of Eden, actually. And it's a topic that I can literally visit and revisit over and over. It never gets boring. Um, there's so many layers to it, and all of this, actually lots of cultures that talk about it differently. It's a similar story, just in different terms. If you go kind of across the world and uh, look at that story. And so uh, Robbie was talking about, you know, maybe what the fruit actually was. And um, that was, I mean, it's such an obscure topic that it, it doesn't come off often. So I said, all right, I really want to talk to Robbie about this. And I'll, the other thing Robbie was bringing up was the uh, realms, the mm. heavenly realms and the uh, hellish realms, which I teach as, of course, parts of the cosmic axis. And it's also uh, in the human body as well, because they're, they're parallel to each other. And I'm actually going to be doing a show on that um, next Sunday. Nice. So definitely, if you guys want to uh, tune into that, that'd be great. So, uh, and it's interesting because they, they actually kind of go hand in hand. Uh, these two stories, they might not seem like they're related. And uh, for me, it's pretty much a one-to-one. -one. So if, uh, if you want to if you want to kick this off, Robbie, just kind of tell us about the Garden of Eden story. You know, what, what's the general story and uh, what's your view on it? Yeah, so um, now when we initially spoke, you had said you wanted to cover um, kind of the creation of um, man or the human um, and then also the evolution of the spheres as far as um, going back into the Vedas and you know into some of the modern theosophy um, 
and those both those stories really holistically are a single story you know as far as just coming in um and and now are you familiar with the uh the evolution of the spheres in regard to esoteric philosophy uh yeah yeah i would definitely say so um you know i teach it kind of based on astrology because that's how uh that's the astrological model that i actually use model, when i yeah. teach like coming you know? in through virgo and then the the miscellaneous ages that precipitate into the modern oh yeah sure and actually that's there's a lot of that in tarot too uh sorry yes. Talking about the virgin birth and kind of the the wheel there and how the the hero's journey, if you will. Yeah, I know all about that stuff, Robbie, for sure. Right. Um, So now the evolution of the spheres in general um, coming out of the Vedic texts um, basically tell of um, great ages um, with the certainty that the progress of time as the faculty of humans are multiplied so will the characteristics of matter also be multiplied. So basically, you know, springing forth from the waters of chaos um, that, that, you know, are essentially the, the darkness of, of, you know, um, everything before time space was created um, that essentially the, the, light shooting out of that which is basically related to the circumpunct um basically is the beginning of the crystallization of matter itself um and and basically coming from that higher emergence of of a light form and then either sinking down into or reflecting off of um it kind of gets into as as far as the the stories of the leviathans um you have the the male leviathan and the female leviathan and essentially the male leviathan is is the pointed serpent whereas the female leviathan is the the circular or the curved serpent um which a, you, a lot of times you'll see the snake with the with the tail in its mouth um and that kind of represents the um, the entire circumference of the cosmos and and as far as that light coming in and and refracting and crystallizing and coming into settling down and becoming the three-dimensional matter that we're in and and within that um, it, it's kind of um, based around the ideas of math um, and and you essentially start with one and then, you know, you add that to itself and you get the two, which creates the line and the three, which creates essentially the triangle. And, you know, then you begin to move into physical space. And as the mathematical equation expands, the complexity of the, the whole equation, you know, folds in or out on itself. You know what I'm saying? And, and basically... Um, eventually coming to the point where matter itself um, and, and even, you know, deeper, like we have the stories of, of Saturn and the black cube as far as being, you know, the mo- most ultimate condensed form of, of crystalline, you know, where, where basically these ancient um, forces are kind of encased, you know, until the end of time. So it's 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 as far as from the upper realms as as far as the kether of the heavens um, ascending down through the the different you know um, miscellaneous um, parts of the tree of life um, down into 
you know, the bottom of the tree. And then I think the tree of life actually um, folds over backwards um, and becomes the tree of death as far as, you know, through the imaginations of the, of our minds and how we're able to manipulate, you know, manipulate the reality that we're within. Definitely. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with what you just said, actually. Um, and a lot of those topics are directly related to, of course, uh, some of the Kabbalah teachings with the right. Sephiroth, you know, the 10 points, the path to God and everything. And also, um, uh, well, and then there's the idea of like the Kelly pot and everything, which is a hot topic right now, which is also very similar. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's basically coming from non-matter. Into, it's basically consciousness coming from non-matter into matter right. and falls down. It has to fall down through um, specific gradients before it can actually fully materialize. And then on the way down, you're, you're picking up these different qualities kind of as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I teach I teach those also states of consciousness that are directly um related to the specific chakras along the spine because right. of the spine is also the cosmic axis of course of your body yeah. and then the cosmic axis of the earth is uh incorporates all these different dimensions and spheres that that we're talking about and now earth, i was okay, gonna say how, how many um chakras are you basing your system off of well i i generally use 10, 10 um okay. there's the seven the base seven which of course you know people are aware of and, uh, and the reason there's actually a lot of reasons I do that, but basically, um, upon looking across the world and trying to incorporate uh, as many of the teachings, and I'm, you know, I basically been trying to create one system out of all the world teachings because mm-hmm. I believe one system, that's the correct one. Generally right. speaking, I just so, think it's morphed through time and space in regard to the individual needs of the different, you know, societal functions and, you know, um, and I think that also may have to do with um, resonant energies of the planet itself affecting the the ways in which those means have to be kind of altered to achieve, uh, you know, the sim- a similar effect, something along those lines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to it's, um, you know, it can it can kind of kind of shift depending on the co- local consciousness. And then I, I also believe in. Uh, parallel dimensions and all kinds of stuff like that. I'm sure you probably do as well. I hope uh, I'm correct on that. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I agree with that. But then, uh, basically, you know, one the one through seven, whether you're talking about the dimensions or the chakras, is uh, seven. What are called the seven traditional planets, of course, in astrology. It does. It actually does include the moon. It does not include the Earth. Where you get the seven, and then past uh, Saturn would be at the seventh. And then eight, nine, and ten. Mm. The way that I teach it is uh, Uranus is eight. It rules the fixed stars um, and uh, kind of the zodiac. And then nine is Neptune in the dream world. And then ten is is the point of freedom, or it's mm. you know like singularity where everything kind of emanates from. Right. I know well, some least, people, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know some. I know some people teach twelve. And actually, I just heard something last night. Of course, the Zodiac is based on 12, which, you know, I do it every day. Um, and I work with that system every day. But the thing is, is that I heard something last night. Um, very interesting that it was actually supposed to be dimensionally supposed to be 12. And it was altered because of some, you know, maybe some uh, interference that's happened from other ET races or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I have no idea, but I know what happens. The most important part of this for me is how to work with these energies in the body. And I know what happens when you get your chakras opened up and you get your fluids. I teach a lot of a lot about um 
I'd say like I call it pre-Ayurvedic medicine, Robbie. So it's right. basically how to fast and, and circulate your fluids so that mm. you're having experiences of higher, pure, purer consciousness and higher consciousness. Right, right. So um, that's the most important part yeah. of that. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So I mean, but basically, you know, as far as the the evolution of the of the spheres themselves, it is the story of the the preparation of um the the uh the substrate of the ecosystem um which we were were you know eventually to be born into um and and you have this idea of um universals as far as um like the platonic idea of universals um and then you have this this ancient idea of the adam cadamon or adam cadman where essentially it's the you know um, the figure of the human created in the heavens um, in its universal form before it's able to manifest um, into the physical realm itself. And um, essentially with that, um, you have, you know, the idea that um, when you go through like Blavatsky and, and talking as far as theosophy and she talks about, you know, as we, we were uh, a crystalline, like, conscious crystalline form different kind of consciousness um but nonetheless then we would we evolved into these different forms that you know in in the waters that slow and the first eye you know she goes into was basically like just a sense organ like we couldn't even see and so there's this this idea of this slow evolution coming from you know um one side of the story but then you have this other side of the story where you essentially have um, it almost appears to be some sort of a genetic engineering, like in in some sort of another time space um, plane of existence, um, you know, and, and there's often the analogy made of the, the white cube um, and in regard to consciousness itself you know we are in you know as far as matter you know forward backward left right up down so that kind of gives us you know the six-sided cube kind of that we exist within um and then you have you know the six-sided cube has the eight corners which basically take you to the agduad which is like you know um infinity or the you know the the uh the uh, the conceptual idea of eternity you know um so you have this this idea of spirit um working with the physical plane of matter and it's always about this idea of um spirit you know almost balanced on matter oh yeah absolutely and actually some of the um some of the groups like to uh kind of covertly talk about uh squaring the circle which reminds me of what you're just talking about which is uh you know we're in in this instance where the spirit is the circle and the square is the matter around the um the spirit and there's a lot of reasons for that you know i i think um some of it's just to learn some of it's due to karma you know some of it's some of it i think is actually due to really nefarious things happening in in the spirit world uh, Mm. uh, outside earth kind of the earth dimension but um no i agree 100 percent with that rob it's really interesting because of course the atom Cadmon concept and it's it's just amazing all the time and i believe in in synchronicities you know that things happen together at the right time and stuff but um the show the show that i'm going to do on sunday actually is about it's essentially kind of about the adam Cadmon body and all the stars are in your body all the planets are in your body 
and as you said really well, you know, the structure of the, of the Earth system and the solar system was designed before we got here to incorporate the human form and the human consciousness. It's like it's like um, it was like made for us in some ways specifically. Well, what, what I almost think is that when you start dealing with these ideas of, you know, based around the expansion of math and the different fractaline patterns that, that come out of, you know, certain processes as math expands, um, I think that it's the idea that it was already all, you know, written into the fractaline equation that is the manifestation. And, and, you know, there's some parts, you know, as far as genetic modification or whatever, that that stuff, you know, because it's not part of the natural turning, because it's not part of the natural cosmic matrix, that eventually that stuff's kind of, you know, like the old centaurs and the old, you know, all these old mythical creatures that kind of just faded away. And, and if that comes about again, you know, but the thing is, it's this slow evolutionary pro that's already all written into the math. Like, so it's, it's like this, and, and I hate to say fate or destiny, um, because I think there's a great amount of, of wiggle room, um, between those numbers, you know, um, but at the same time, it kind of represents, um, philosophically a way to understand, um, just, just the way that, you know, the ancients used to think, used to think of this cosmic, um, expanse that we exist in. As, you know, and and that was the whole thing. You know, it, there's certain texts that go into the idea that um, these early creatures that, that were coming about, um, they essentially like their blood um, was precipitated with uh, essentially the, the spirit um, that that was creating the nesting ground for the individual soul to come and rest up in, you know, and it's and I think that's all based around. Um, vibrational waveform and frequency and kind of, you know, um, but nonetheless, um, some of the early um, like creation, you know, you go back to the door kings with the raven heads and you get into, you know, the 10 pay stadium kings and you start looking at these, these um, pre adamic um, type type creatures and you know they they were um, they had four legs they had two heads you know they they were every form and fashion of of animal and and you know and and some of them propagated and and they you know um, had you know uh, a, but eventually they would they would dissipate and and it wasn't until you know the the body was fructified to the point that that you know and then the soul came down and and it's it's the idea of the anima mundi or the the um what's the word i'm looking for that it's the astral light and the anima mundi where where essentially you have um the male part um being the the spirit um that that's represented more or less as like divine wisdom and then you have the female part that is essentially the vessel of the matter itself that creates the matter itself like in a cyclic fractaline manner you know and and that that um that female energy that comes down into and becomes matter is one of the leviathons like how in the bible it talks about you know she that that it you know it's essentially salted you know and then we become the salt of the earth you know so 
it's it's this process of of slowly you know and and i think that that um you you get into these stories of the garden of eden itself and you know there's there's um quite a few different um cultural changes you know depending on where you look oh definitely yeah what uh what culture are those raven-headed gods from robbie um there's actually in france there's a cave um that goes back like 50,000 i think it's Lascaux, france um goes back like 50,000 years that has um 10 you know raven-headed figures but i i'm pretty sure that those raven-headed kings are um like mesopotamian um some somewhere in between mesopotamia and india um somewhere somewhere in there looking back i can't can't quite recall but yeah yeah that's really interesting that's i feel like that's the same cave that um just has the traditional drawings of animals and and hunting with spears and stuff like that if i'm not mistaken yeah there's there's a there's a variety of things in there yeah Okay, so now I'm, I'm feeling like the other parts have probably been obscured on purpose because, you know, archaeologists aren't going to show that. They can't explain it, probably. Well, you know, I mean, if if within the the expansion of time, space and the creation of matter, um, you figure if the, the, the divine feminine energy um, basically, you know, salted herself and turned herself into matter and then the the masculine energy energy was essentially the light or you know the the life-giving propagating um factor there's there's also in india um these two powers that um uh let me see if i can find it i'll look for it as we go but but it's it you know it all comes down to this idea of of spirit um you know balancing on matter and and basically the spirit or the light um animating the matter itself you know oh absolutely and actually of course the word mother is essentially the word matter matter right um and you know you have uh um you know the various um like you have in Eve, you have Eve in the the Christian theology, um, but then like within Judaism, you have the the mother um, Ava, which uh, it's like um, A V V A, and so it's it's like a reflection upon itself, um, where you have essentially the first letter, which is the the alpha or the A, and then you have the V. Um, actually when they come together creating the water or the waters of the deep and then it echoes itself on the other side you know um but as far as the expansion of force um but but that great mother um ava um you know the alternative meaning of it is the serpent so you you know you kind of have this idea of again the cosmic serpent that kind of encircles all of creation you know that lends its you know um and that's the the, you know like the uh the waters of chaos and all the miscellaneous um shadows swimming in the deep with all the possibilities you know of everything that could be within it you know kind of along those lines yeah definitely and i i also think that um i also agree man i feel like if we're going to get to the bottom of this you have to go through the serpent that's like everything that I've ever learned is pointing towards that. Mm. And, so, um, you know, there's lots of ways to look at what that is. I've actually seen a couple images too of, um, 
believe it's a Milky Way galaxy where the where the serpent's actually eating its tail. Mm-hmm. You can actually see that. You're probably oh, yeah. aware of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, so here we go in India, right? Um, the uh, Sankhya philosophy. Um, they say that the Purusha is the spirit, and it is spoken of as impotent unless it mounts on the shoulders of prakrita which is matter and which when the matter is left alone um it is senseless and and basically you have to have one upon the other um in order for you know um creativity or creation within the the realm to happen you know oh definitely i i tend to think of matter as kind of like it's kind of like a solidified light yes crystallized right and you know it's all everything's vibration and sound and vibration and waveforms and stuff like that you already mentioned a lot of those um so i think that of course you know when you get into the topic of ascension you Mm. talk about being able to alter your vibration so that you as well this is the way i teach is that you start vibrating at a much higher frequency and it's Mm. it has to be um it has to be tuned to itself. Otherwise it's, it could possibly, you know, destroy the physical vessel, but mm. you basically, you know, Kundalini awakening and stuff, which again is the serpent, you know, right. it's the cold serpent. The yeah. yeah like, right. And I want to mention too, that the spinal cord, uh, it is, it's also the serpent. And actually it goes so far as to say that when you look at, uh, some anatomy of the brain, specifically the brain stem, you can actually see the um, the pons area and the medulla area. It actually looks like, and this is where, you know, maybe this would be a good time to, to move in the Garden of Eden story too, because it actually lo- looks like a serpent's head biting an apple. Mm. Uh, that's something that you can just do a Google search, you know, type in like snake spinal cord or something. You'll see mm-hmm. the brainstem area. You'll see it looks like he's got an apple in his mouth. Right, right. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so now, um, when we get in, if you've read much Paracelsus, um, he talks about the Mysterium Magnum. Um, and this is an absolute mystery um, to the human mind. Um, but it's essentially the creation of the cosmos and, and um, how we arose out of the cosmos. So, you know, this is, uh, this is an ancient line of thinking as far as, you know, um where the human came from um and and you know back to where we were as far as all these miscellaneous you know creatures um for a while um it was also said that a lot of these um early um human type forms um basically bred through um growing themselves out of themselves um and and this was said to be before the splitting of the sexes um so we're we're bleeding up here slowly to the garden of eden which is essentially where the splitting of the sexes happens so what we have to look at before though is just this idea that um you know and if you get into like rosicrucian writings um and and they talk about essentially that that adam was like a soft warm kind of waxy um kind of being that kind of you know grew um like a copy of himself 
out of him out of himself um but then when you get into the garden of eden itself um you start to see the ideas of um the splitting of the sexes um basically um creating a companion um for um the you know the man um well and but there are also stories where the the female character came first and basically created um man so you know you have depending on the cultural um you know value you have different different stories yeah that's phenomenal man yeah it makes me think about biology too because there's actually a lot of plants anyone who knows a lot about biology you can actually uh fertilize themselves mm, so right I try, but I try, there's I a try whole to... book well there's a whole book by uh, i think her name's lynn cantrell and it's called the greatest story never told and it goes all into um women inseminating themselves being some of these early um mythical divine mothers um coming wow. after yeah coming basically after the deluge um and basically she's a she's a uh, biologist um and she or maybe she's a botanist but nonetheless she goes into um the ideas of parthogenesis where essentially um during times of distress that that you know certain like frogs and serpents and humans um being ones that that had that ability when the uh cultural like uh when when the species itself you know was at threat to basically keep generation and reproduction moving in a forward matter you know oh man that's excellent that's yeah. really excellent. i i really try to focus too on um you know, because like the way the way that I kind of go about things is that first of all, I'm, I'm an I'm an observer, really. And so I'm just kind of looking at what's out there. I'm looking at the stories. I'm trying to see if there's connecting pieces and stuff. But for me, it's, you know, anything that you can think is possible. Like the universe, in my view, it's based on consciousness. It's based on awareness and creation and everything. So if if someone or if a, a non-material being wants to like appear as some kind of uh uh you know like a griffin or some kind of hybrid or something then then great you know maybe maybe that's not what i want to do but it's it's within within the structured system it's their free will to be able to do that Mm -hmm. so instead instead of me being like oh that's weird that doesn't make sense i'm like okay you know that's that's how a spirit wants to um act and interact and that's how they want to kind of deal with creation whether it's procreation with another being or with themselves or what you know splitting their own dna or whatever it is you know okay well see i think that that you know um when you go back and you look at some of the old desert cultures in mesopotamia and and specifically the goddess um astaroth or asherah um she was the first like transgender you know goddess that i've seen in the histories and she would basically through the course of the night you know move back and forth between male and female and you know and and that that basically dealing with energies you know and the idea of like the moon can transition between day and night and like venus can transition between so you know and back to astrology and the planets and you know um but but as above so below so you know you have this this cosmic man in the heavens you have this cosmic man you know on the earth and then like you were saying the temples you know 
they they build the temples um as the as representations of the cosmic man you know and and so it's all about this this uh multi-layered kind of fractaline kind of generative force of all time space and reality you know yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. yeah um, um I, good no go ahead go ahead well no i was just gonna say you know i was gonna comment on something you said previously with the fact that um you have uh you you have creation events and you have uh you know the way I look at it is that this is one created system. I, I teach that this solar system has been created a specific way, but outside this solar system, it doesn't have to be this way. It can be anything that the God, the local God wants it to be essentially. So I teach it. So, um, you know, I believe this system was created in uh, many ways, specifically for humans as a way of um, like an ascension vehicle to basically give spirits the ability and freedom to move to where they feel most comfortable, whether it's into a heavenly realm or to a hellish realm. Mm -hmm. And then in, in that realm, you're going to be surrounded by other beings that have similar belief systems or capacities or what have you, or energy or whatever. But the thing with your tribe. (laughs) Oh yeah, right. Exactly. The thing that gets me though, Robbie is, is this, um, this idea of possibly some kind of an intervention coming from outside Mm -hmm. the system to kind of mess with things make it a disordered system make it like a uh like a reflect not reflection but make it like a vestige of what it's supposed to be and mm-hmm. create harmony and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's it's fairly upsetting to think about that but i also think this is what's interesting um you know i think we're on very large cycles of time mm-hmm. and the one that i teach the most is the great year which is you know tropical astrology is twenty five thousand nine hundred twenty years but there's also the yuga cycle which is 4.32 million Mm -hmm. years long i'm sure there's ones even longer than that and the point that i want to make point that i want to make is that all systems i believe well at least within this this local part of the universe Mm -hmm. um they're they're going to i don't say be forced but they're going to be they're going to interact with other kinds of information and systems so maybe for the first like 10 million years of the earth or something i mean arbitrary number Maybe mm-hmm. it was actually exactly how it was supposed to be. And then right. when our solar system starts to come around some of these other solar systems, which have different rules, and different laws, mm-hmm. then we start interacting with them. And maybe at that point, it, it, let's just say it was in part of like a de-evolutionary cycle. Well, maybe that you have some reptilians hop onto the earth and say, okay, this is our window. We've been mm-hmm. waiting 20 million years for this, for earth to come around. And maybe now that it's here, they have their window, but guess what? That window is going to close on them too. Just like, you know, everything is always in this motion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, I've actually got, um, you know, when you start getting into the serpent lines and, and, you know, I mean, tracing that back into, you know, um, from the founding of the cosmos, as far as the, the trail of dust, you know, that was, that was lit up in the heavens, um, was first a serpent before it congealed, you know? Um, and, and it gets very much into reproductive cycles and the spermatozoa and the egg. And, you know, you start looking at, um, like, uh, what was it? Vishnu threw his semen into the waters of chaos and the cosmic egg congealed. So you have this, this constant story of, of coming into being, 
Um, and it, it's, uh, the intercession is definitely an interesting, um, part of, and, you know, like when you look at, uh, what is it, uh, as far as like the, the Gnostic texts from Nag Hammadi, um, as far as the Gnostic Sophia and, you know, basically coming in and it's almost like, uh, you know, that Sophia is lost and, and the Gnostics even look at like Jesus coming down into matter, um, from a Gnostic perspective, trying to reclaim the, the goddess Sophia and, and to bring, you know, help her ascend, but, you know, much like the Bodhisattva, you know, that, that helps everybody ascend before he climbs the ladder himself, you know? So you have, but, but with, um, the, you know, goddess Sophia basically coming down and, and, you know, crystallizing into and becoming matter. Um, you also had the creation of um, Yaldabaoth, you know, which is this serpent, um, like cosmic serpent with a lion head that is kind of, you know, this this mad character that thinks he's the creator and doesn't realize that there is a God above God. So, you know, you kind of have this intercession, much like uh, Ahura Mazda and, and uh, Ariman, you know, where, where, you know, Ariman is kind of the abortion of the uh, the cosmos and creates, you know, the 99,999,000 pains upon, you know, um, uh, you know, degradation and death. And, you know, it was all it was all like, you know, um, the intercession of the outsider that was causing these forces to happen, you know, so you kind of see this intercession, you know, it's this intercession um, kind of in different forms you know, and I think it, it's, you know, um, it definitely has to do with with um, us realizing we are fallen and realizing we are in a corrupted realm. Um, and, and, you know, where does that lead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And man, it's crazy because I'm all about the action and say, OK, so we have all this information. So now what happens? You yeah. know, what, what are we going to actually do with it? And I believe in putting it into action. Mm. Uh, I love a good story, Robbie, but you know, I'm, I'm actually interested in freedom, freedom yeah. in the system, freedom in the universe. And also not just for myself, man, it's, I actually believe in freedom for everyone. Yeah. But I'll put it this way. Everyone who, who is responsible enough as deemed by the universe, not by me, mm. uh, that they can be trusted to, to have the freedom and to travel across dimensions and stuff. I want people to have the freedom. I want people to be happy, yes. not just any being man because like right now we're living in, in this like <laughs> i don't even know what i would call it it's uh kind of a twisted funhouse matrix of mm. some words right. and uh I, I just don't really agree with it man you know i i understand um probably better than most people out there and i would say definitely better than most people out there kind of how it's set up mm. and you course with my background in astrology that's a really key part of that yeah now see i've studied a lot of symbolism and a lot of these ancient stories but i i'm not i don't study astrology at all i know about the symbols um but i've never like gone and sat down and like worked with charts and stuff like that so it's just outside of my wheelhouse you know oh definitely and it's such a specific um you know uh discipline you really <clears throat> you really have to be um I mean, I'm very scientific about it. You mentioned mathematics and, of course, sacred geometry. That's essentially what it is. It's the right, same. Right. same. And understanding okay. arcs and angles and how they move and oppose and compare and contrast and what those energies represent. And yeah, yeah. 
it's uh something that i'm definitely interested in it's just you know we we are all limited with our time you know <laughs> well i'll tell you what i've got it covered so if you want to yeah. keep going with that topic sometime definitely yeah, should do yeah. it um, um, now, oh, I, I was going to say, I did find this though. Um, okay. So it was the, on Chaldean tablets, um, from circa 2300 BC, um, that are inscribed the Babylonian creation myth. Um, and in the, let's see, first column of the Kutha tablet, um, are the seven human beings with the faces of ravens whom the seven great gods created. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I know that um, I, I think the Anunnaki are, are often depicted as having bird heads and everything because, uh, but I've heard, actually, I've heard that they're masks, hmm. that they're or costumes or masks, that they're not right. necessarily actual biological entities. And you know what, man? I have no idea. But what I like to do, you know, and people who are familiar with my content know this, is that I keep everything on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You're never going to see me being like, let's put that in the trash can. I want to know what everyone's views are. And then someday, and this happens all the time, it's like it could be 15 years in the future. And I'm like, oh, my God, that one thing that person said to me 15 years ago, I get it now. Mm, right. right. So I didn't throw that away. Well, and I also think it's essential, like as you grow and come into further understandings that you go back and kind of revisit these texts, you know, numerous times over the, because every time you go through them, honestly, you're gonna, you're gonna extrapolate new information, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah and you know, this thing that you were, that you mentioned, um, I, I actually hadn't specifically heard about this serpent with the lion head before, but I mean, every time I see a cat, mm-hmm. I think, man, that's weird. It's like very like a snake. They have like very similar mannerisms. The way that they flip their tail, like look at the slit in their eyes, yep. you know, the way they kind of move and like um, attack and pounce. And it's like, wait a minute. So for me, the, the cat has always been part of the serpent line. And I never really uh, knew how to place that. But I will say this, too, is that whoever designed this solar system and specifically <laughs> and everything, um, you know, the lion, which is the cat, essentially, of course, is Leo. Leo. Okay, well, Leo rules the heart, which is that's where the, the center of everything is, the center of consciousness. That's Regulus, right? What's that for Leo? Regulus is the heart of the constellation of Leo. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, that's, and I think that's where the word like Rex probably comes from, meaning king and everything. Mm, yeah. So uh, I think that the lion was created on purpose to be the center of the solar system because it was created by some kind of a serpent race or something. I mean, mm-hmm. actually, actually, um, when you mentioned um, Gaia, actually, my friend is really big on on that topic. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the Jewish mysticism, the, the yeah. teachings I, I had mentioned very recently to him. I said, well, you know what? How about Tiamat? Because. The story yeah. of Tiamat, in some ways, is very similar to the story of Gaia. Yep. And I wonder, I actually said this to him, I'm like, man, it might actually be the same person. <laughs> so, the well, same. And, 
yeah, you you consistently see these different uh, deities, you know, um, morphing and changing as they move through, you know, cultural expansion. Um, a lot of times brought, you know, by trade and mercantilism, as far as Mercury and the god of the merchants and the travelers and the thieves, um, you know. So you, you it's I, I think it's it's like uh, what's that book that the temple at the center of time. It's almost like where it's the idea that that there's a natural cosmic expansion that that kind of you know just resonates and builds upon itself kind of naturally you know and and that kind of leads some people to think that there might be some sort of a higher energetic force that's controlling it but i think it's just the only, it's it's just the natural you know maturation of of the cycle you know Oh, totally. It's like a natural evolutionary kind of process. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that, um, oh, yeah, I was going to mention the, the idea of the avatar, too, because that's very, very prevalent, especially in some of the Hindu, pre-Hindu traditions and everything over in Asia. It's that, like, okay, so there's one, there's actually one consciousness, but they're having fun and they're having fun experiencing different bodies and stuff, and so they come into the earth mm-hmm. in different you know it's the same person but they look different because it yeah. could be a different body they're using yeah well and you go back to some of the early um texts um trying to think exactly where i saw well rudolf steiner also talks about as far as saturn um and cosmic alchemy and basically the the thrones um like lord over almost like a lens that opens up and closes as far as saturn itself and then there was these uh like a lower form of entity on saturn that actually sacrificed themselves to like open this lens that allowed the energies of the higher forms to basically be focused and come down into matter um and that's essentially how the human spirit came in um but if you get into some of the lower astral forms um before the humans started coming in um and incarnating on earth um some of the lower astral forms are using the planet of venus in the same way and they were incarnating into animals like ass and kind and camel and you know so um and, and so you see on all levels um of the heavens that that you know there's something special about this this realm um as far as the experience and you know the 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 possibilities of but but that was the whole thing with um like lucifer and and some of these lower you know um well maybe even higher astral forms but but still they their soul forces were not able to um transmigrate the heavens um which which you know when we get into the the garden of eden um i think that's um when the elohim said let us make him in our image um that 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 included the ability um to transmigrate the the mansions or the heavens or the realms um and essentially you know these other figures they're more like um parts of the heavens themselves that were created when time and space was being created so they're kind of locked in these positions and and on occasion i think they can come and have experience and then you also have the getting trapped in the three-dimensional realm and you know some say that's where the demon or the jinn come from but but it's the idea of 
um, when we were created, um, we were basically manufactured in a manner so that we could experience the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs. Oh man, that's, that's brilliant, Robbie. That, it was mm. very well. Uh, my friend also talks about that, that, um, there's a lot of jealousy from the mm. archons, I guess, yeah. which now right. for me, the archons for me, the way that I usually talk about them, I just call them the planets. Now that may not be exactly true, but the planets are locked into their position. Right. Um, the fixed because, stars. Uh, say it again, Robbie. The fixed stars. Oh yeah, and then the the fixed stars. You know, again, the way I teach it is in the eighth sphere with uh, Uranus that rules the fixed stars. Right. Uh, the planets are are generally called the wanderers because they have different kind of orbits. The stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. The stars all move together. That, that's right. the whole thing. And then the planets move separately. So, um, yeah, there's supposedly a lot of jealousy, the fact that we've been created to be able to kind of ascend and descend and, and change ourselves and experience other things, move through dimensions like you're talking about. So I really think um, I really think that there's a. Uh, there's so much going on here, but if you understand the basics, I think we can try to get somewhere. I really do. There's a lot of people that would disagree with me, and I, I'm always the one saying, no, actually, we can figure it out, mm. but we need to be really diligent, and we need to really stay focused. And you can't, you know, well, and actually, something you mentioned, too, uh, before I forget it, you, you talk about the kind, which I believe are the cows, right, yeah. in uh, the Hindu mythologies. Well, you know, guess who rules the Taurus, which is the cow or the bull? It's Venus. Mm. And that's in astrology. That's per astrology. Right. So right. you see that they come in with um, the energies of the place that they were created from. You know, of right. course they do. Of course they do. Why would they not? Right. Right. So there's a lot going on here. But, Robbie, if uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to move to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And yeah. what I want to do really quickly, I just want to kind of set up the story. Uh, and I want to paint it a slightly different way so people can see, uh, at least from my perspective, and of course, I fully want to know your perspective as well. Mm-hmm. But I want to paint the story so that uh, I can highlight things that I find to be a little strange or a little bit uh, questionable, or odd, you know, maybe. Because a mm-hmm. lot of people read the story and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the Eve was created from Adam's rib. Great. Okay, well, let's go into some more of that stuff. So, of course, the traditional story is that Adam and Eve were in paradise, you know, they're in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We should talk about what the Garden of Eden even is in a minute. But the things that I notice that I pick up on is the fact that um, everything seemed to be perfect, right? And then suddenly, one of the, the first things I, and this was when I was young, man, this was a long time ago. There was, uh, it was described that God was, um, I think, in the coolness of the day, kind of like creeping through the garden. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm like, what the hell is that? It's not my God. That's not that like you don't you don't like conceal yourself and like tiptoe behind trees and stuff like that. What is going on with that? Mm. So I felt really weird about that, actually, since I was very, very young. Um, And then the other part is, um, you know, why put why I just I just don't buy this, man. I argue about this for days. But why put something in the garden and then say, oh, you can't you can't have that. Wait, wait a minute. Wait. If I'm if I'm a good God, I'm not putting anything next to someone that's going to hurt them. There's no question. I put it there for enjoyment and because it's a gift to you. So why on earth are we having them being set up from like the first step of this thing? That does not make sense to me. 
Okay, and then there's a couple other things, and then I'll, I'll let you go ahead and tell me uh, everything you want to tell me about this. But okay, so then uh, Adam gets put in this like you know he gets drowsy or he gets unconscious or something like that. He has let's think about this. He has his rib taken out of his body, mm-hmm. and there's another human fashion from that. So the first thing now having me having seen many many years of these topics, first thing I think is of course gen- genetic manipulation and gene splicing and stuff like right. this. Right. Yeah, that's not it's not really a pleasant thing. If I if I was a god and I was going to create a companion for someone, look, I I can just materialize that. I don't need to like to be like like gory in any way. I don't want to. I'm not doing weird stuff like that. I'm I'm right. just going to create them out of thin air and then they're going to be there and that's it. No weird story. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last thing I want to say before we uh kind of kick off this topic here is that um. There's a story of uh, the serpent being there, and, and I think in a lot of the Jewish texts, it actually talks about the serpent having legs, mm-hmm. which is very, very freaking weird. You know, let's be honest with ourselves. That is very strange. And the punishment for tempting Eve was, of course, that it was going to crawl on its stomach for the rest of time as the yeah, snake. Cast, cast down. Right. Exactly. Cast down to the ground. So then the question becomes... Um, is this a reptilian we're talking about? Because it sure sounds like that to me. It sounds like a humanoid serpent, which we know from history is everywhere. Uh, and then what was it? How did it get in there? What was it doing there? Why was, if there's a real God, why was it he or she, or, you know, it's really the combination for me for God, but why was this being allowed to happen? Yeah. And then uh, they, the first thing, it's the last thing I want to say about this for right now. The first thing that happened, so they get kicked out of the garden. Um, and I don't believe that, you know, some Christian uh, Christian people argue that, oh, Adam should have been watching out for Eve. It's like, guys, come on. Like, you know, we're all sovereign beings. You don't need I, I get it. Keep an eye. But like, you know, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's doing something. If you're in a paradise, you don't you're not worrying about threats because there's no threats. Right. So he, everyone's safe. There's no reason that he would have to be doing that. The first thing that happens, they get kicked out of the garden and they immediately have a child. That's the first thing that happens. There was no children in the Garden of Eden. There was mm. no children. And uh, the other thing that happens is, which, again, I think is part of the DNA manipulation. And there's some other evidence for that, too, that humans were not initially created to be able to conceive children. Right. Uh, and uh, the thing about it, though, is that you have this idea of the fall, like the fall of man. And the key component here, too, is the fact that, all right, so... We're in paradise, you know, everyone's happy and everyone was, you know, people were naked and they had no problem with that. No one was self-conscious or anything. And then suddenly, okay, so they eat the fruit, right? And then suddenly they become aware that they're naked. And their then eyes, God, Yeah, their eyes become opened. Right. And for me, that's actually a function of a fall in consciousness. It's actually a function of a fall of energy through the spine. And when you eat... When you eat specifically excessively, you lose a lot of mental power. Mm. And it, to me, that's the development of self-consciousness, which is which is essentially a fall in your consciousness along the spine. Um, there's also the, the problem of a fall in dimensions, which they actually kind of go one and one. But, you know, it could also be that, like, literally the Garden of Eden at the top of the, the tree is also talking about the cosmic axis, you know, the tree of life and everything, which is how the solar system is uh, organized and also how the body's organized you could have been they could have been up in in the garden of eden at some of the highest spheres heavenly spheres 
And then um, they actually literally physically, like physically fell down onto the earth in addition to losing their consciousness, which is falling down their spine at the same time. Mm. So for me, for me, Robbie, the, this is what the baseline of this whole story is, is that, and, and I know it sounds, you know, people are not going to like this and I don't even like it, man, to be honest with you, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. But is the fact that the garden of Eden is the garden of eating, eating food. Mm. So basically when you eat food, you become denser and more material and more physical and you lose your, um, your power from your seventh chakra and, and from your fourth chakra, which is the heart chakra. Interesting. So it's actually, it's actually the body devolving into a physical form because you're compromising the energy structure by putting solid matter that you think is giving you energy. And it's, you know, I'm going to argue it's not, it's actually, it's actually fission. It's actually killing you every time you eat. Hmm. But anyway, anyway, Rob, I'll let you go ahead and wherever you want to tackle well, on that. And, and I find that concept interesting um, is when you look at the Yazidis um, who are basic, they worship Melak Taus, the peacock angel. angel. Um, they believe that, that the fall of man was essentially when we began to eat wheat. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. Yeah, um, or corn, it, you know. This is a big topic for me, too. This is a huge topic. Yeah. All right, keep, keep going, man. I'm real excited now. Um, well, now, if, if you look at the beginning, as far as um, the establishment of the Garden of Eden itself, right, um, around the Tree of Life, um, whose roots were in heaven and the branches grew downward towards earth, um, to establish the garden, essentially, there was four watchtowers um, that were set up, or four houses um, that hold the four um, angels of earth, which are the overseers um, that potentially, basically, it's like, uh, the, it's the, watch, you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses, how they have the Watchtower, you know, newsletter. Um, that that's a reference to these four watchtowers that are basically set up to keep the forces of Corazon from overflowing into this reality or these lower astral forces. So, so first, you know, they had to set up these four towers so that they could create this place that was pure enough to basically, um, you know, create the human offspring, you know, from the, the divine plan of the, the heavenly man, you know, of Adam Cadmon. So. Oh yeah. And actually, if you look at the cosmologies of um, the ancient peoples, you can actually see those pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vault of the heavens and everything in order to allow it to exist yep every story has a a pillar like a central pillar and then there's exterior pillars um and then you have the two pillars of egypt and yeah there's pillars are a a big big subject matter to get into you know oh yeah and the pillar of course the pillar and for me in its simplest form is just a cosmic axis and it's also your spine you know those 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 are the towers. That's the tower. When someone says tower that I'm, I'm paying attention to. I mean, man, you, you have the flagpoles, you know, with the eagle and the little gold ball on top. What do, what do we think that is? You know, like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just make it simple for people. The gold ball is the pineal gland. That's your yep. third eye. And the eagle at the top are the two um, hemispheres of the cerebrum, which cover the pineal gland. Yep. Yep. Cause it, they look like wings. And when you fold the wings on top of the ball, then it, it makes the human brain, you know, mm-hmm. and that 
the pole, the flagpole was your spine. Right, right. Um, now I do have here. Let's see. Um, in uh, have you ever heard of the Book of Baruch? Uh, I've heard of the name. I'm not sure if I heard of the book. Yeah, so it's a Slavic book. Um, but basically, in, it talks about the Garden of Eden, um, and it's, it speaks of angels um, being assigned um, by God to plant trees throughout the garden, right? And um, those angels were Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, and Satanel, right? And they each planted a tree. Um, the first four planted good trees, um, but Satanel planted the vine. And so here you have, I think, this is uh, this vineyard of Noah, um, the vine. You know, it's it's and and when you look at um, the Bible itself, um, oftentimes um, it's it's directly the bloodline of Adam is directly related to um, it, it, and it's even called the vine of the soul. So you you have this idea of um, the the vine and the you know being the serpent intercession into the human creation, um, and and you know maybe it was for the purpose of parthogenesis, um, maybe it was maybe maybe we were bred in a fashion in which um, we were unable to reproduce like you were talking about, um, and maybe it was that factor that came in and allowed for the ability to, to bring forth propagation and generation, you know, um, just, just interesting, um, ties there. Yeah. And actually the vine is, is really, it's really, really serpentine in its nature as well. I mean, exactly. look, I never, never really thought of it that way, man. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, you look at how it crawls through the forest and it like chokes things and it looks like a snake. And then a lot of times they've got thorns on them. Yep. You know, and then you go, you know, and then of course the crown of thorns and all this story, these ideas about, um, you know, Jesus possibly being part of a reptilian line without getting too controversial with that, you know, yeah, because yeah. uh, it's a it's a big one. But you know, all I'm doing is I'm putting ideas out there for people to think yeah. about. Now, uh, um, Genesis, um, what is it, one twenty six tells us, you know, the Elohim basically basically say, "Let us make man in our image." And, and, or in our, after our likeness is what it says. Um, but the thing with the Elohim, when you trace that, that word back to its root, um, it's actually a plural word. So it's, it, God didn't say, let, you know, let, make man in my image. The Elohim, who are these multiplicity of beings, basically said, let us make Adam in our likeness. You know, so it, it and that's the whole thing. It's you, you have to wonder, um, you know, what exactly um, this Godhead is, depending upon how you view it, you know. Oh, yeah, totally. OK, so so who exactly are the Elohim, Robbie? I mean, is this a human or is it a hybrid or is it AI? I've heard all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I've heard all kinds of stuff, too. And it's you know, it's just uh, the higher forms in the heavens. You know, I mean, um, and, and, you know, I've also heard numerous stuff about, um, you know, uh, the, the way that uh, the Ten Commandments were transmitted to Moses, you know, can be directly related to AI and the 
form and function of the, the what is it the hydrogen molecule and and you know as it turns it makes up all the hebrew letters but i've also heard the hebrew letters were created from the capstone on the pyramid you know basically the sun shining through it in the different positions through the day gave the letters so you know it's kind of like where did writing come from where did you know it, and it's it's kind of like yeah. the the contact movie you know when jodie foster gets zapped up into the spaceship you know and she's like well if you made us who made you and it's like, you know, and then they don't know who made them. So it's this ever, you know, uh, bounding perpetual force back through the cosmos as far as the origins of the creation itself, you know? Oh, yeah. And actually back to back to this Hebrew letter topic. Um, mm. I've also seen that, of course, sound, supposedly sound will actually create those, the forms of those letters yep. based on vibration. I've seen the, the sand that they put on the plate to do that. The other thing that I saw recently, which, um, I, again, I can't believe I've never seen this before, but and I, and I really don't want to get too controversial, but I also believe in, in sharing ideas. Um, the uh, letters of Yahweh, and uh, you uh, you probably have seen this, Robin. I mean, you, you're very aware of most almost everything we're talking about here. So mm -hmm. uh, if you flip the word Yahweh 90 degrees, it actually forms a little bit of a strange figure. Mm. That figure actually looks like a reptilian being mm. yeah yeah so uh you know again it's always back to this reptilian serpent thing dragon mm. thing and uh you know for me that they're the ones that created our solar system so right. Very, right. very easy for me now we just have to figure out in my opinion what do we do with this right well and now are you familiar with the story of um indra oh What's yeah the, the, the original pre um pre-hindu god right yeah and and when she's being born um you know they're basically you know the other gods are like screaming they're like you know do not let her fall down into the abomination basically matter you know um and and instead of her being um fallen into matter um she ends up being born to the side so you have this this other theme of going you know like pan went to the side like all the caesars were born through cesarean section like to the side like you know the giants in the days of old they were you know all came out of their their mothers you know bellies through the side so it's and and i think there's something in regard to um the way that the the creation of of time space was made is it's almost like a, a replicant like function of the higher realm but on a lower realm. So, so basically it's almost like a simulacra, you know, like when you get into all the Buddhist philosophy, as far as samsara and the idea that all is burning and like all is illusion, you know, and, and, and it's like, we're kind of like, you know, the, the spirit is basically sent down into the illusion, you know, and, and we know that as, as light moves, it's both a wave and a particle. And they're finding out now that it doesn't settle into the the manifest form it's going to be until the 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 individual that's deciding what reality is comes to a conclusion. So it's it's like, you know, what what is reality even within itself? You know, as far as the creation, you know. Yeah, definitely. And actually, um, the way that I teach this uh, this kind of simulacrum. Uh, holographic like replication for blacks lack of better words here is right. that I, I i generally teach that the creation event happens in the 10th sphere mm. which is 
the edge of our solar system. That's where this right. single consciousness and everything. And, uh, you know, for me, that's actually kind of the big bang. It's, I'm good with that. I put it that in the 10th, um, the 10th dimension up there in the heaven. And then mm-hmm. what happens is that as light moves through that and as light moves, it gets, it starts to condense more and more and more until you get down to earth where you become fully, well, now we're not fully physical. We're, we're actually not. We're like half and half in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it continues shining down through the lower hells, the other side of the world tree like when it gets flipped. So you actually have like one, let's say like one being. And what I do is I separate them into 21 different versions of themselves mm-hmm. and they're more and more dense. And so they're all, they're all playing out at the same time is what I believe. And in different dimensions. And then you have those dimensions branching off of each other. And then we all also have like personal dimensions and personal versions of dimensions. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of these stories are, they're probably all, a lot of them are, are, I think true, but it depends on which dimension it was happening in about right. how, how you're able to like coordinate what that means. Right. It does matter. Now, um, and, and when we get into, you know, Christian theology, as far as Adam, um, and, and basically like you had talked about, you know, opening up and taking the rib and create now, if you even go back, um, before, um, and you get into Genesis, um, and, and you look at the creation myth, there's actually two creation stories within Genesis itself. Um, and, and the Hebrew, um, when you read the Hebrew texts, um, they actually say that the first man was Adam, but the first woman was Lilith. Yeah. So, you know, and, and so then you have this whole idea of, um, you know, a divine feminine and divine, but that's, you know, again, back to this, you know, and, and in no way do I insinuate that the, the feminine is, is evil, but it always is related to the darkness or, you know, the idea of matter itself or the idea of, so Lilith within this story is kind of like the evil character Whereas the Adam is kind of like the good character and, you know, they end up having a fight because um, he wants to be on top, you know, sexually through coitus and they, they fight with each other and she wants to be on top and she essentially, you know, like utters um, some mystical word and projects herself out of the garden of Eden. She ends up going to the red sea um, where she meets up with Samael and, they end up, you know, offspringing all these miscellaneous abominations and, and demons. Um, but nonetheless, Adam um, in the garden, you know, um, he he like goes into a state of like, you know, remorse and like wants Lilith to come back. And like they end up send, sending like two angels to the Red Sea. And, you know, nonetheless, Lilith doesn't come back. And it was at that point that essentially now you have the biblical narrative of the taking the rib and and like you were saying it very much sounds um to modern ears like genetic manipulation in regard to cloning you know oh yeah exactly you just take the the um you take the dna out of the living tissue and you start to like graft it essentially right um man that's it's that's crazy we think very soon I was actually going to bring up Lilith as well, yeah. uh, because there's a fair 
fair amount of time she does appear in the Garden of Eden story. And the way that I – I've never heard that, by the way, Robbie, with the Red Sea. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. I think a lot about that. Um, but the other way – the way that I usually talk about it is that Adam had offspring with both Lilith and with Eve. Mm-hmm. And that the – let's for lack of a better word, the evil line of the world comes from the offspring of Lilith and Adam. And the good mm-hmm. line of the world comes from Eve and Adam. And when you look again, you know, this is one of the, obviously um, the advantages I have since I do astrology. Right. Uh, in astrology, Eve is the moon, you know, the moon yeah. principle, it's the For feminine, sure. the mother principle rather, I should say. Mm-hmm. And Lilith is in astrology. She's called the dark moon. Right. So she's, she's essentially the dark Eve. And then when you go, speaking of France, Robbie, and this is a really good segue too, when you go into, some parts of Europe, you see this, the dark, the black Madonna. What is that? Lady Madonna. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. So, so for me, I, I don't personally believe it's, it has any really anything to do with skin color. I think it's just the, um, the dark mother, which is Lilith. Oh, different personifications through different energetic movements. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And people, yeah. like you said, every culture will, will cut it differently depending on how they yeah. see it or whatever, how they value yeah. it. Now, um, I have a story here. Um, it's from the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Um, which were essentially hidden by the Essenes and Qumran around 70 AD, um, around Palestine area. Um, but, you know, this, and, and so uh, the story reads that Eve um, said, Adam, live and rise up on the earth. And immediately her word became a deed. For when Adam rose up, immediately he opened his eyes. When he saw her, he said, you will be called the mother of all things because you are the one who gave me life. So there's there's another um, story in regard to kind of a reversal of roles in regard to the, you know, Eve creating Adam versus Adam creating Eve. I, lo- I love it, man. This is great. Yeah, it really tosses things up and makes you think. Now, I'm the kind of person I don't really get offended by. You. I, I just I'm entertained by this stuff. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though I believe, you know, I believe generally specific things because we all do. Um, I love hearing all the perspectives. And you know what? I mean, maybe in someone else's reality, maybe that's how it actually did happen. Right. Because right. we all have our individual realities and dimensions, I believe. So I just give that person that, and I'm like, okay. If that's how you wanted to design it and that's what you believe in, then that's, you know, your version of the story. My version of the story might be different. Right. Now, um, when you get into Lilith, um, she's generally related to Lemuria. Um, and, you know, her herald, her heraldic flower was the lily. Um, but that was um, on, on Lemuria, you know, pre-Atlantis. Um, that was essentially where the goddess-type cults you know, arose and sprung out of, um, as far as the matriarchal type cults, you know, before the patriarchal cults came in later, um, you know, yeah. So okay. now when, just, when you talk, when you talk about Lemuria, yep. uh, cause I, I find a lot of people, actually, in fact, most people probably don't talk about it the way I do just because of how it's been presented. I think it was in a book from the 1960s or something, right? There was a guy, good something was his name, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, for me, uh, Lemuria is actually the landmass that used to be between Africa and India. 
Mm. And they call it um, Kumari condom, actually. Yep, yep. And it's it's was said to sink some seventy thousand years before Atlantis. You know. Right. Right. Exactly. And mm. then uh, there's also the continent of Mu, which Mu for me is was the continent in the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Yeah. But okay. a lot of people say Lemuria was in the Pacific, and I, I actually believe it was Mu because Lemuria. The reason Lemuria is called Lemuria is because of lemurs. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You probably know about this, but basically they found them in like a very small part of India and then like Madagascar and Eastern Africa. And people were wondering, well, why were they not all in between? Like, where are yeah. they in Iraq and stuff? They're just right. not there. And it's funny how they have a hard time existing outside of that, that uh, ecosystem, you know? Oh, right. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, um, go ahead. I wanted to ask you, um, Okay, well, I actually want to ask you this before I forget because it's very thought-provoking. Yeah. I want to ask you, who brought the wheat and the corn to this planet? That's the big question of the day right there. Yeah. Um, there are – so in some of the Greek myths, there are the stories of the Hyperboreans um, that actually – you know, when Apollo came with the medicinal gardens – um, and the apple tree. There was also a set of Hyperborean twins that were like blonde haired with like braids. And um, they basically came carrying sheaths of wheat into the new world. And they were, you know, said to be the ones that, that basically, you know, brought it from the, the you know, pre-deluge world. Um, but then, you know, you also have some mention of Isis saying that she's the one that brought it and taught people how to plant it and make bread. Um, so there's, there's a few different tales as far as wheat itself, you know? Okay. So I got, that's really interesting, man. I got one to share with you about the wheat topic. Um, there's a place called Eagle river, Wisconsin. And I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard the story, but this was in the 1960s, I believe. And there was a farmer and in his field one morning, I think it was a morning. There was a, what he said, there was a, a ET craft that lands. Mm -hmm. The occupant gets out and he has cakes of wheat or bread. Yeah. In it. You know about this one? I do. I've heard this story. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish it. You're awesome, man. Okay. For the, so basically, listening. Yeah. You're right. So basically, and I'm, I do, uh, I have a very, very strong background in biology and I do a lot with um, plants and fasting and all kinds of stuff. So I pay attention to chemically how things are going, you know, mm -hmm. basically um, they did a test on it. And there was no fat at all in the wheat. Cake. And I'm telling you right now, man, and people, if you'd like to disagree with me, no problem. But in my experience, there's just about nothing that is more toxic to the human body than eating straight wheat without any oil in it whatsoever. Hmm. Shut down your yeah. system. It makes, um, it's very similar to morphine. That's number one. Yeah. And number two, it's very, very dry. And our bodies work with, you know, a fluid base, essentially water and oil. So right. if you put that stuff in there, man, you're going to be cutting your current. So what I wonder, what I wonder about, it's interesting when, when it was said that we started to develop agriculture and everything. And even of course, with the central Americans and corn, it's a very similar topic to me. Corn is, is some ways pretty similar to wheat. It has differences, of course, but right. I think that's part of the contention that came to earth, trying to recreate the narrative into a, a not so good narrative. I believe mm -hmm. that it was 
brought from heavenly beings. I think it was more nefarious beings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Robbie, where uh, where is the Garden of Eden? Is it a physical place? Are we talking metaphysical? What's your what's your opinion on that? Yeah, um, when you go through the stories, there's some ideas that it's in the higher realms. Um, there's some stories that it's inside of a mountain. Um, you know, that then you have the whole Egyptian idea, you know, um, of it actually being in Egypt itself. Um, it's, you know, um, and then you get into some of the more modern thought currents in regard to, uh, you know, like Missouri, um, you know, being the area of the Garden of Eden. It's, it's, you know, hi highly, um, debated and, and, you know, there's a lot of different sources saying a lot of different things. Do you have a personal like favorite you think is a contender to be more correct? Hmm. I mean, you know, the, the simplicity of the Egyptian story um, kind of rings as far as, you know, just the, but at the same time, when you look at all these texts, like even when, um, you know, the, the earth was populated, like when Adam and Eve fell, you know, down to the earth and we're told to, you know, and Adam was the first tiller of the soil being the husbandman, you know, um, there were already quote unquote pre-Adamic people here, you know, so it's, it's questionable um, just in regard to, I mean, from a metaphysical standpoint, I feel like we were created in the higher realm and, and that is the garden of Eden, you know, and and essentially we were dropped into the physical plane, you know. So more like a metaphysical kind of uh, origin, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, of what the, what my mind kind of draws out of it more so than anything. Oh, definitely. And I, I think that's the, I agree. I think that's actually the core concept that we should be focusing on when we talk about that. Um, I mean, I can, I actually, I was, uh, I was thinking about listing all of the contenders that I have in my head right now. Because it's a, you know, it's probably at least ten that I think about all the time, and um, I'd like to list them and see what you think about some of the things I'm saying. But before I, well, okay, yeah, this is is part of it technically, but let me just say one right off the top here is that um, one of the ways I've thought about the Garden of Eden is that it's actually just the Earth, mm. and the reason I say it, the whole Earth, I'm I'm, I'm saying, yeah, and the re the re one of the reasons I say that is because uh, if you go to the Norse mythology. They do actually talk about Midgard, which is Earth, yep. and Midgard is the middle garden. You know, they're defining it as a garden. Right. So um, some of me actually believes it's, well, I, you know, ultimately I agree with what you're saying is that it's a higher reality. But these things, you know, as we're talking about, they like precipitate down through the dimensions and they right. create uh, alternate versions. Let me put it that way. Well, and how I was talking about a clone of a higher realm. You know, oh, right. and essentially like the, you know, we like we were created there and then put into the simulacra of the higher realm, something along. Oh. And, and I would agree with you that the earth itself is um, a garden of Eden for, you know, on on one of those levels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it's amazing you brought up Missouri because I actually just did a <laughs> I did a lot of research there. Um, if you've seen, uh, well, I have it on my Instagram page too, but I have a lot of pictures of the uh, LDS oh, yeah. church history sites. Yeah. And, um, you know, the LDS story, that, which is formerly known as the Mormons, this story is like, for me, 
it's the great American mythology. You know, it's well, like yeah. exciting. It's exciting. It's like just it's just way out there in left field for a lot of people what the claims are. But right. when you actually when you actually go to the sites and if you read the text, there's actually a lot of things going on there that I encourage people to look at seriously. I'm not saying that they, you know people need to believe that, but I went to Missouri. I went to the site which is supposed to be the Garden of Eden, yep. um, the LDS tradition, and that is actually in Jackson County, Missouri. Yeah, uh, it's uh, generally. Uh, centered on independence, which is where there's something called the temple lot that the uh, LDS church believes that the new Jerusalem will descend on the earth first over right. the temple in Jackson County. And they still believe that they don't talk about it a lot, but they do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's one of them. And the interesting thing too, about that is let's not forget that all across the Americas, there were many reports of actually giants, so yes. I think about this stuff and I think about uh, the land of Nod and, you know, in terms of where Cain went after he killed his brother. I, I was I was standing in in that area, Robbie. I was standing in what I actually I, I do. Very, very weird, man, even to say yeah. this. No, I, I, I follow your line of thinking, though, for sure. Right. And so when I'm standing in I'm standing in Independence and then I actually went I you know, in my car, obviously, I went east and I crossed. um into the area that's uh, pretty close to where it's called Far West, Missouri, which is where one of the um, temples was intended to be built before the the LDS, uh, the saints, actually were forced out of, of the state, mm-hmm. uh, governor's order anyway. And it's a, it's a really strange energy out there, man. I, and I'll tell you something really weird about this, is that there's actually a state park um, just to the east of Independence, Missouri. It's actually a little, it's actually northeast, I would say, but still east nonetheless. And is the weirdest thing because I was going to camp there that night and um, it actually uh, I couldn't get in because they had actually closed the gates already. So I had to find an alternate area. But the weird thing about it is that right at this right at the entrance to um, the state park, it, it had these signs saying like like an ex- excessive amount of signs saying if you're thinking about suicide, here's the suicide hotline and all this stuff. Mm. And I'm like, and by the way, it, it was a very heavy energy there. Very, very heavy out of nowhere. And this is also the area that supposedly was described as being uh, either the area where, where actually it is kind of described as the area where Cain killed Abel. Right, right. And I felt that heaviness, man. This is objectively, even if someone didn't say that story, it's really, really yeah. strong, heavy feeling there. Yeah, understandable. So, um, yeah, I got one little section here. Um, okay. and, and it does, it regards Cain, right? But this is a Mesopotamian. Um, legend and it says uh, that Eve had come together with the serpent the anti-cosmic Semiel the Nashesh Semililith together they seduced Eve to bring forth the Quayan the anti-cosmic messiah of the Sit Ra Achra which was essentially Cain oh okay so he came from that line yeah as far as the serpent line all right, so that's like kind of back to what I was saying before with how we have two lines of humanity. Yeah. Both coming out of the Garden of Eden. And I agree with you, too. I think this was just... Well, most- now, this was after, because you figure the Garden of Eden, you know, then we fell into matter. Um, and at that point, that was when Adam built the first stone circle to watch the heavens. And then you have the procession of um, Abel and Cain and and that whole confrontation in regard to the sacrifice. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that would be on the earthly plane where where essentially you're you're introducing that uh you know but but like we were saying you know some of these stories show that the serpent interceded in the garden um as far as you know the introduction of the the fruit um but but then there's also other stories that show that the serpent interceded in the line of adam and basically brought forth the line of you know cain so yeah definitely and that would be fitting you know with the action that cain would have taken so yeah but you know what that was weird about that there's weird stuff everywhere man as you know oh yeah the other the other weird thing about the story with Cain and Abel was that, like, man, it's ridiculous. This is messed up to me, too. So Cain, like, gives an offering to God, and it somehow was not good enough. Right. Like, basically, like, he's trying. Well, he's trying. Now, if, if you look at what they were offering, right, um, Abel was essentially offering the finest of the firstborn of the flocks. So he's bringing a blood sacrifice. Right. Whereas Cain was a tiller man of the field and right. he is he's bringing the, the best of his crop to offer, you know, to the Lord. And the Lord um, accepts the the uh, blood offering from Abel, um, but then refuses the, the harvest of the crop from from Cain. And that's, you know, then depending on which road you want, nonetheless, it comes to the idea that Cain ends up killing Abel. And there's a whole line of thought. Um, if you read Lord Byron, um, who's a theosophist, um, he basically goes into the idea that Cain was sacrificing Abel as the as the sacrifice to the Lord, because he was the firstborn. He was without you know, any defect. Um, he see, he, he, he meets all the criteria for a sacrifice. So, you know, and then, and, and then when, when the Lord comes and sees that he's dead, um, he basically cries out because he's not getting the blood from the body. You know, he cries out. He said, I think the books, the Bible says that the earth, you know, it was crying out to him. The blood was crying out to him from the earth something along those lines, you know? So it's just interesting when you start to look at um, this idea of, of the blood sacrifice versus, you know, and, and, and again, we're still having this debate as far as the carnivore versus the vegetarian, you know, and, and, you know, it's the, the topic of food is quite an interesting um, subject, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and thank you for that comment. That was really spot on, I think. But the thing for me that's weird is that, um, you know, it's kind of backwards in a lot of senses. If you really mm. think about it, I think most people would be like, well, you know, the plants are kind of cleaner than like the animal death, you know, having to mm. deal with that. But we also know that in the Old Testament, it was uh, replete with lots of animal sacrifices. And I mean, even the story of Jesus, it's very similar because he He's was the, the sacrifice. right. He was the blood sacrifice. So right. now. The big question for me is that what is this obsession with gore? It, it pisses me off, man. It actually does piss well, me off. And, and when you look at the idea of the blood itself, um, it's always related to the idea of carrying the spirit, um, which, which you know, is what allows the soul to nest in the body. So anytime you're looking at the, the, uh, 
the sacrifice of blood or the burning of blood or you know any it's it's all a ritual in which there's an energy transference and i think that 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 blood transfer is a higher energy force transfer than what you can get from a vegetable crop oh yeah absolutely man and the thing that uh, i i really look at is that either way you cut it it's really perverse to me and that's what bothers me about this oh, yeah. is that I don't want to see blood on the ground. Like I'm not going to sprinkle blood on an altar. Are you crazy? Right. I mean, what is going on? So the God, this is what's important to me. The God that's asking for that sacrifice. We need to define who that is. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know who's behind that mask. I want to see right. that. And following that back to L or, you know, the God who was represented by the black cube as far as, you know, and his consort was Asherah, you know? Um, yeah. It's and and that direct as far as the the black cube of the Hebrews directly tying into the black cube of the Greeks as far as vanquishing the gods into the center of the earth. Um, it's it's definitely some interesting dichotomy when you walk down that path. And there's also, of course, the Kaaba, which is also a cube. Right. And I believe it's draped with black cloth with gold embossing, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm um and that is is very much about saturn for me i agree with that and even right. and even in india there's this, the black columns and even in the flat earth topic there's uh you know mount meru is often described as being a black magnetic pillar right so saturn i'll just say this quickly is that saturn you know again according to astrology is uh his other name is chronos which is his father of mine yep and the word Kronos is the same as the word crown, which is indicating that he lives on the, in the seventh chakra. You know, that's the mm-hmm. crown chakra. He's the one that, that rules the physical world. So in a lot of senses, this right. is his this is his world. And, this is and his so, realm. His realm, you said, Robbie? Yeah, his realm. Yeah. Right. So a lot of, in a lot of senses. Well, actually, I mean, to me, it's a direct translation that Saturn is actually Satan. Yeah. Same word, man. And right. right. Um, again, without trying to, I'm not trying to get too controversial, but you know, this is 2022, man. I'm going to say what I have to say. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this crap anymore. We need to get out of the topics that matter to us. Um, you know, let's do, to be, in terms of the Jewish topic. Well, their day of worship is what day? It's on Saturday. Saturday. On the Sabbath. Right. It's a Sabbath, but you know, Saturday is Saturn day. Well, and, and, and- Sabbath is is directly related to Satur, you know. Oh, definitely. And Satur, of course, is uh, is the the goat god, right? Right. And guess who that is in astrology? That's Capricorn. Capricorn, yeah. Which Jesus, Cap- which Jesus says he is Capricorn. <laughs> Jesus was a uh, Capricorn. Okay, well, he's you know, in my opinion, he's saying that because he was traditionally well, born in Capricorn. Right, right. But that's the whole thing is everything that the character of the Christ personification came and did, you know, as far as, you know, uh, the, the it, we were talking about the blood sacrifice. Um, he becomes the end or the ultimate sacrifice to end all blood sacrifices. So he he is the Lord of Lords. So he is the Lord above all the earthly Lords. He, you know, so all these things, as far as his titles and what he does and when he's born, he all those things are energetically to contradict and redirect the energy to push people to higher levels. Absolutely, man. He was supposed yes. to be the last one, right? Right. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So let me um, let me just uh, add a couple more things. Where I think we're running a little short on time here, but man, this was an absolutely ridiculously good conversation. Nice, uh, nice. Maybe one, probably one of the best ones I've ever had, man. On uh, on anything that I really want to go deep with, this is like at the very top. So I have to yeah. thank you for. And okay, man, well, I, I only got through like literally a third of the notes I've got here. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, yeah we'll it's do, a deep we'll subject, do. man. Yeah, we'll do part two, part three. You know, we'll keep it going for sure if you're in. Yeah, um, yeah. we can talk about stuff for sure, man. Okay, so so what I wanted to add, um, there's two more things. The one the one is that again, according to astrology, this is how astrology works. It's actually, I would argue, kind of how the world works generally is that there's this, there's dualistic principles on the earth, yep, in the physical realm specifically. And mm-hmm. so because I just want to say this, just so I can I can make sure I'm including everyone, and, and I'm not putting any group down, I'm not putting people down actually at all. And I I, I like to see people succeed and and you know be able to find the the glory and the happiness in their heart and everything. That's what I want for people. So you're talking about Saturn in particular, uh, every planet, I call them oftentimes I even call them the gatekeepers because they, they guard the dimensions and they guard your chakras. Um, they are, uh, they're dualistic as well. So they're benevolent and they're maleficent. Right. And they have both capacities within them. So, don't think, you know, my encouragement to everyone is don't think that Saturn is always um, malevolent or maleficent. Mm. Saturn is also the great disciplinarian. He's the one that will focus for the long haul and get it done. There's right. no, there's no, there's no like uh, parading or facade or anything. It's like, no, we're going to get it done. And that's it. There's no questions about it. And you can count on Saturn to do that. And he's also not influenced by emotions. So people try to, mm. you know, track with emotional things no he's not interested in that he's not he's not playing that game so there's good qualities and not so good even with the sun even with the solar deities there's the positive mm-hmm. aspect and then and and Sorath, the solar demon yeah yeah oh what's his name robbie Sorath. Sorath. okay that's interesting yeah. yeah um yeah so that's important to keep that in mind because it's really not one right it's, it's not oh. like and and suppose you know supposedly you have Sorath, which is the evil um, sun demon, and then in contrast to that is Christ, the Christ man, you know, or the energy of the Christ, you know, that comes and walks through, you know, many, in, you know, it's always the one in many forms through all time, you know, both in the dark and the light, you know. Oh, and actually, you know, the word Christ. Um... You're right. It incorporates everything at the same time. I agree. Right. right. Uh, the word Christ, if you look at the alphabet, Q-R-S-T-U, hmm. in in order, is Christu. Hmm. You know, so we talk about vibration. You talk about organization and letters and stuff like that. It's all been put into the system. Waveforms. Yeah, exactly. At the yeah. creation, event, it's already it's already endemic to the system. You know, it's yes. already right. It's already been stamped. Um, so all we have to do in my opinion is just to recognize the patterns and then see what we want to do in terms of application. Right. And I am really big on application, as I said at the beginning of the show. So I like to see us do something with this knowledge. And, uh, you know, the ways that I do it is, uh, primarily of course through astrology, mm. which is birth charts, uh, uh, primarily, and also relationship matching and business applications and all that. Yep. You know, it, the way I define it is it's the science of the solar system. So if you have yeah. a good hand on that, you're going to be doing really well. The other part is the human body. 
And the human body has the parallel with the cosmic axis as the spine, as opposed to the cosmic axis of the earth, which is dimensions. Um, So, you know, when I apply it, I apply it to let's understand our part in the solar system. Let's understand how it was created. And then let's use it to bring success to people through positive uh, avenues. You know, that's what I do, Robbie. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, and, and when you look at the idea of the manifest form of the human themselves, um, you know, they're, they're within the, the alchemists and the different mystics, um, there's a lot of talk of basically the bones of the human being like a, the xylophone of the cosmos. And like our bones are actually singing a song, you know, like just just by simply being in cre- in creation, you know. So it's and and uh, what was it? Osiris's bones, you know, were were uh, essentially lodestone, you know, or or a magnetic black stone, you know. So it's it's yeah, it's just interesting the whole idea of of what the human is and where the human came from and what the garden of Eden was. And, you know, what, I mean, and all these things, I think more, more than anything, it's ways for us to try to understand these topics um, without, um, you know, that the necessary evidence that, that, you know, isn't, is, but isn't there. Yeah, definitely. We, We try to create what we can to bring a better understanding. Right. Uh, own topic too, man. It's very interesting because, uh, as I said, I do a lot with pre Ayurvedic medicine mm. and, um, you know, and according to the, uh, the Ayurvedic texts, they actually, they actually state, and by the way, they state this in, in obscure Chinese texts as well. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, the vital, the vital life force, the, the, the prana of the body is generated in the, in the bone marrow. Mm. And, that fluid, um, you know, ends up becoming the lymph fluid and the sexual fluid and the fluid of creation and all this stuff. So it's actually a lot more, um, even biologically, it's a lot more accurate than most people are going to kind of think when they first hear it. That the the quality and the fluidity of that fluid that runs through your body it is actually directly related to which dimension that you're vibrating in, mm. and access to different you know uh, levels of consciousness and everything so that's a that's a big topic there too and then what uh what nectar they produce in accordance oh absolutely yeah because if it's good quality um fluid then you're gonna experience higher levels of consciousness more purity um more beauty and coherency and all this stuff and they say and honestly they say that in the ayurvedic text this is not i i'm saying this for me um anyway because i've done a lot of uh work with the body in terms of trying to understand it and then when i found the text i'm like they already figured that out so i just spent like eight to ten years i came (laughs) up with something that i thought was not written down then i found it was written down robbie and then i said i was not presented to me when i was 18. and and it's funny because you know the long-term progress of continually learning and going through all these different ideas and concepts you know you you draw conclusions you know, that are truisms within your own mind in accordance with the dots you're putting together. And it's always great when you can come to a point where you uh, encounter someone that, that has, you know, already reinforces exactly what you're, what you've put together within your own, you know, mind space. Exactly. And, and when it's done independently, you know, you know, you're not biased, right. which is even more important. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, but in any case, I just want to uh, kind of at the end here, I just want to list a couple of the top uh, sites for the Garden of Eden that I've uh, spent time with just so people can think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie already mentioned one of the uh, more obscure ones, which is Jackson County, Missouri. Missouri, yeah. That's according to the LDS story. Uh, the other one, one of the ones that's really the most common is actually uh, it's underneath the Persian Gulf. Mm-hmm. Okay beginning of essentially the land there which is where mesopotamia uh, sprung up from tigris and euphrates but they say that there were four rivers that exited the garden and they believe some some archaeologists and historians believe that the two of them were the tigris and euphrates and then the other two were to the west of that one of them which is now a dry riverbed the other one which is buried beneath the sand in uh, saudi arabia essentially so it, it could literally be just uh, just under the water where the Persian Gulf starts, where it meets uh, modern-day Iraq. That's a really common one. Mm-hmm. And you know, it actually does make sense historically, so that's uh, I feel pretty good about that one. The other one, I already mentioned um, the earth being the garden, you know, the, the entirety of the earth being the garden, as right. uh, to by the Norse with Midgard, Midgarden. And mm-hmm. then uh, another big one for me is, of course, Hyperborea, which you'd already mentioned. Yep. Hyperborea is, is described, and even in the, the visuals, it has four rivers coming off of it. Yep. it. It talks about a great whirlpool swirling around, you know, the center of it, and mm-hmm. it's usually placed in the, the Arctic areas or the Arctic Ocean. Even. The true north. Right. And now when you're talking about um, the tr- the real cosmic tree, you know, or the, the Norse called Yggdrasil, the right. tree The Yggdrasil tree that the earth is hung upon. Right, exactly. And that yeah. really makes the most sense when you talk about that being put through the direct center, which is the North Pole. Well, and that's the Dejed pillar of the Egyptians, too, with the, the you know, they always show it that tilted, you know, at the appropriate angle of the Earth's rotation, you know. Oh, do they really? They, they depict yeah. it tilted? Okay. Yeah, it's always, you know, they're always like one character is always holding, but it's always at whatever the, the axis of the Earth is that what is it 23 degrees or something like that yeah 23 and a half and the other thing that's interesting about that is that again you know going back to astrology is that mm. it's, yeah it's essentially it's 24 it's it's yeah. getting at the idea of 24 which is a direct multiple of 12 of 12 yep and that's again the zodiac and that's that's yep. where you kind of look at so, and it's the length of the day you know 24 hours and all this yep. stuff 12 and 12 split between yep yep Right, the half and half. And so um, that's what I like to see is that when I say that, I believe we can figure this out. Like, there's some very, very, very easy stuff you can put together to be like, all right, I, I'm getting it now. We're getting yeah. somewhere, making some progress. Um, and the more conversations I think that get out there like this, uh, you know, this this is a conversation that I wish I heard, Robbie. This is something that, I, you know, I would just. Back in the day, man, I would have loved to have come across somebody, you know. It's, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you figure I've, I've pretty much just had my nose in books for, you know, 30, about 35 years now. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm, I'm very fortunate, man. Uh, I'm very happy that I, that I heard the program you were on. And I, I literally, I was like, wow, I am actually impressed with this person. I really want to talk to them. I was hoping you'd join me. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, is there, is there anything else you want to say about the topic, Robbie, before we close it out for today? No, no, we can finish up. Okay, all right. So I just want to uh, let everyone know, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, of course, um, 
my YouTube uh, channel here, which you're probably already on. It's uh, Dave Petrella on YouTube. Uh, it's P-E-T-R-E-L-L-A. And uh, my email is actually on the, the about section if you guys want to send me an email. My Facebook page is under Dave Petrella, and then my Instagram page is Dave Petrella 12 uh, Feel free to send me a message. If I can provide a service for you guys, that would be excellent. Uh, of course, I do full astrology, full Western astrology, uh, birth charts, relationship matching. You've got uh, business applications, picking days uh, that you're going to be more likely to have success, things like that. And I also do a lot with um, principles of uh, Eastern medicine, which is kind of like the pre-Ayurvedic teachings. It involves fasting and circulating your fluids and cleaning everything. Uh, and then also, of course, spiritual guidance. So if I can help you with any of that, please send me a message, guys. And Robbie, where can people find you if they want to check out your work and everything? Yeah, if you just Google R Marks Artist, um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram. I have an Etsy page. Um, and then also, um, if you search, um, I know it's on Spotify right now, but I have uh, what I'm calling the Meta Mindcast. Um, which is M-E-T-T-A, um, like the Buddhist concept of love, um, Mindcast, M-I-N-D-C-A-S-T. And I'm basically putting out the interviews I'm doing, and I have a series of recordings that I'm going to start releasing um, of just some of the basic research I've been doing. So, But, yeah, I'm out there pretty easily you know, found if you just search R Marks Artist. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate it, Robbie, and I'd love to continue this, uh, you know, sometime soon if you're up for it. Yeah, for sure, man. I hope people found this valuable, and um, we'll see you guys uh, next time. I really appreciate it.